Wednesday, October 7th, and you're tuned in to the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer. Hoynesy, the Indians held their postseason postmortem with Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff. Uh, local reporters got a chance to sit there for about a half hour and fire questions on a wide range of topics uh, at Chernoff and Antonetti. And uh, we, we got some answers. We got some, uh, some ex- answers we expected. But the, the big uh, topic right off the bat, Antonetti was asked whether or not uh, manager Terry Francona will be back next season and is expected back. And he confirmed that uh, they expect Tito to be back and if, if he's in good health to, to manage the team for the duration of the year. Yeah, that's, uh, that's good news, Joe. I think that was the, big, uh, the biggest headline to come out of our, our uh, you know, uh, conference call with them today. Um, uh, Tito's back home in Tucson, you know, continuing his rehab from, uh, you know, surgery relating to a blood clot issue and the gastrointestinal problems that he suffered from all, you know, since the beginning of this year, he only managed 14 games. So, you know, I think uh, this is a big thing. This is, this is a good thing. They need him back in the dugout. Um, you know, but I think, you know, Joe, I think there's some questions, you know, Tito's had health problems the last two, three, four years. And uh, I would think they'd have to establish a line of succession here. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's sort of the, the, the next question. Whether that's a Sandy Alomar or if it's somebody on the outside, uh, do, we, do we think that they have some sort of understanding in place uh, moving forward next year in order to be able to bring Tito back, knowing what the history is there? Yeah, I think, you know, Sandy has shown that he – that he can can manage the ball club, that he's ready to manage a big league ball club. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen this winter. Does another team come after him? Does Sandy, you know, take that opportunity? But uh, I think uh, if he doesn't, you know, he's a logical choice. And uh, I think they'll, they'll and they need to, uh, I guess if, you know, Brad, uh, Brad Mills comes back, he would be a choice, you know, if, if Tito can't manage the club and Sandy is gone. You know, he, he's, a, he's been a big league manager before. He could do it. I don't know how long Brad would want to do it, you know, considering what he went through this year with his family and, and, and the pandemic and his health concerns. But, uh, you know, that's another choice. But I, I would think, you know, you know, Mike Sarbaugh did a nice job you know, coming in as a bench coach. He's a younger guy. He could be a, a candidate. So I think they've got some, you know, people lined up. Uh, but and, and, and every general every general manager has a short list of managers in his back pocket in case you know an emergency arises or you know there's something happens and they have to you know make a change. Uh, we also learned that the Indians have not yet made decisions on whether or not to pick up contract options on players such as Carlos Santana, whose option is about 17 million, uh, Brad Hand, whose option is about 10 million. Uh, with the state of finances and the way things are and the uncertainty right now, uh, do you think that it's likely either of those two guys gets brought back uh, in next season, uh, basically based on, you know, what they did this past season, Santana uh, hitting below 200 and he's on the wrong side of, uh, you know, 33, 34 years old and hand while he did have a, uh, a great regular season, converted 16 to 16 saves. Uh, when it came down to it in the, the final game of the year, he was not able to, to get the, uh, the three outs he needed. Yeah, I, I just don't see those guys coming back on f- at face value, 
Jill. I don't see the Indians picking up their, those, those options. Now, I think there's a possibility, you know, a guy like Santana who loves Cleveland, um, I think they, they could maybe renegotiate a, lo a lower deal. You know, both, both players, Hand, uh, Santana, you know, Cesar Hernandez, all the guys that are eligible for free agents, free agency might be a little reluctant to go on, on, out on the market right now because of the pandemic and, you know, the, the losses teams have suffered and will that change the market? But, uh, you know, I just, I just don't see those guys coming back at face value. And uh, if you've studied what the Indians have done the last two or three years, they've uh, cut loose a, a ton of free agents at the end of the year. And I don't think this year is going to be any different. The financial impact of the pandemic of this season without fans in the stands uh, was another topic of conversation that Antonetti and Chernoff both uh, talked about. Uh, Antonetti calling losses incurred by the team tremendous, uh, said the industry lost billions and the Indians themselves lost tens of millions. Uh, it's difficult to plan what your roster is going to look like and how you're going to compose a, a, a ball club uh, when you're uncertain about what what your finances are going to be as a as a club, uh, just the the prospects of, of things financially here in Cleveland, whether they do or don't have fans in the stands next year. Yeah, th those were chilling words, Joe. I mean, I don't know how how you heard them, but I it took me right back to Gay Paul and Phil Seggy days when, you know, they would have to make trades and trade guys like Chris Chambliss to meet payroll and uh, just uh, devastating. That's a de those are, those are, those are frightening words. And I don't know if that, does that mean Paul Dolan tries to sell the ball club? Does he try to bring in a, another partner? Um, you know, I, it just, uh, and, you know, to make matters worse, Antonetti went on to say, you know, that this could affect them for years to come. Right. Yes. It wasn't just a, an immediate, you know, this year thing. This is something that could be, uh, you know, have long-term ramifications, not just for baseball, but, you know, for the Indians specifically and, and the sport in, in general. Uh, he was asked, Antonetti was asked specifically uh, if they were resigned to trading Francisco Lindor. Uh, you know, and there wasn't a lot of, uh, you know, definitive answer in, in that regard. But they said no, they, they weren't resigned to the fact that they had to trade Francisco Lindor. Uh, but what he did say was rather telling uh, in, in that, you know, we don't have to trade him, but in order to build a competitive championship level team around him, uh, you know, that, that's going to be a little more difficult. Yeah, I, I, I don't see how they don't trade him, Joe. I think they're, they're kind of in a corner right now because, he you know, Antonetti was asked, you know, can you afford to pay Aunt, uh, Lindor, you know, what he made this year before being prorated in the, you know, by refusing yeah. to go to arbitration. And that was like 17.5 million. And can you afford to pay him that next year? And he said, yeah, we can pay a, a player anything we want, but that's just one player. We got to build a team around him. And that seemed to be me that the white flag is going up and uh, Francisco Lindor is for sale. Right, right now, and and they did talk about having conversations and how many times they've made run runs at uh, Lindor and his agent with contract offers in the past. But uh, you know, like like you're a fan of saying, it, it takes two sides to make a an agreement. And if 
if Lindor and his party are not hearing the numbers that they, they want to hear. And believe me, we've seen evidence that Francisco Lindor <laughs> knows all the numbers. He knows what everybody's making and what he thinks he should be making. So, uh, you know, you can't put the blame entirely on Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff if they've, they've made honest attempts and, and there's no, you know, willing party to join them. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Frankie has waited for this time. He's got one year of control left. Um, you know, he saw what Mookie Betts made. He saw, you know, the, the big contracts that went out over the winter. He knows this market is a little bit different. You know, that's the only thing that, that might, you know, keep, keep him in Cleveland, that uh, the Indians aren't able to get what they want. And uh, they do, you know, kind of bite the bullet and, and pay him whatever he's making next year and then try to, to deal him at the all-star break or let him walk. But I just, it seems like a, a bad scenario to me. I mean, you know, ideally you probably should have traded him last winter. Uh, right now, you know, you're sitting here and this might be your last chance to get, to get, to get some kind of return on him. Right. Any, anything in return for him in terms of prospects uh, at this point would, would be a, uh, a plus. I mean, you saw what what kind of a return they got for for a Corey Kluber, and and you know that was a, a guy with two Cy Youngs under his belt. But uh, you know, so far so good. That trade's worked out. We'll see. Um, as far as uh, we we touched on this earlier, but you touched on Brad Mills, uh, the potential that there could be coaching cha- uh, coaching staff changes uh, was also brought up. Uh, Antonetti specifically mentioning Brad Mills and, and not knowing where what, you know, sort of the future holds for him. But uh, that would also open up the possibility of maybe a Ty Van Berkelio, uh who left the team, uh, you know, based on uh, wanting to, to be, you know, out of the bubble and, and uh, based on COVID concerns with his family. Uh, so you're talking possibly the hitting coach, possibly a, a new bench coach. Maybe if you slide Mike Sarbaugh down then, or you move Sandy Alomar, you might need a, a new base coach. Uh, so yeah, there's there's all sorts of moving parts there maybe on the uh, the coaching staff. Yeah, and I think uh, you know I think with Tito coming back, you would figure if if Mills if everything is you know if his home life is settled, uh, I would you know and he's you know the pandemic is kind of under control or whatever. I would think Mills would be back. I mean those two are kind of joined at the hip. I, I would think Tito would really appreciate him coming back, but who knows, you know, but I, you know, and I think they work well together. Um, uh, Ty Van Berkeleo, uh, I, I'm not too sure of, uh, you know, he, you know, he's been here since the beginning as well with, with, with Francona. So, uh, you know, I, I think uh, maybe these guys just got to, you know, see w- just where the, the country is and where the pandemic is and what, who has control, if they have control over it and then they'll come back. Or not. I mean, then, you know, uh, Victor Rodriguez kind of stepped in and, and replaced uh, Van Berkeleo. Uh, Mike Sarbaugh moved over from third base to become Sandy's bench coach. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's um, I think that's a fluid thing, but I don't think that's a, the all the all important thing. You know, the, the, the key is putting the team together. You know, put, what kind of team are they going to put on the field and how representative will it be? Right. Uh, they, they mentioned and, and went through several players in the outfield and they were asked specifically why it's been so hard to find 
the right mix of guys in the outfield. That infield played every game, you know, and was set and played, you know, pretty well together on the infield. But the outfield was uh, constantly changing, constantly uh, different. And, uh, you know, he was – Antonetti and Chernoff were both asked about Oscar Mercado and his future, about Jake Bowers, who who wasn't even with the club this year, and and his future, uh, Delano DeShields. Uh, just a, a constant stream of names of guys who, you know, have shown flashes here and there, have played well at times, but have never come in and given the Indians a, a solid contribution from the outfield to where they could say, okay, that guy's got that spot. Uh, do they have somebody like that in Josh Naylor who came on uh, late in the season and in the playoffs? Uh, again, that even remains to be seen. Yeah, Joe. I mean, right now they've got like, nine or 10 guys that are out there and they're all fourth and fifth outfielders, really, you know, <laughs> on, on a championship club, these guys, there's not a starting outfielder or maybe Tyler Naquin on, on a good day when he's, when he's completely healthy, if he could stay, you know, in one piece for, for a season, you know, he, he's an above average player, but I, I don't, and other than that, no one has really taken, taken the job and, you know, there's the opportunity has certainly been there, you know, Bradley Zimmer, when he first came up, looked like that guy, um, you know, but he hit the wall and hurt his shoulder. And he we haven't literally, even... literally hit the wall, but go ahead. Yeah. And we really haven't seen the same Bradley Zimmer yet. And he really hasn't, to be fair, he hasn't had that fair, you know, much of a chance to get back on the field and play every day. So, you know, it's just, you know, one question mark after another, like we said. Uh, the, the other sort of topic that was brought up was the possibility of, you know, players blocking other players. And that was mentioned with, uh, with Cesar Hernandez possibly being uh, looked at as another uh, stopgap. Uh, he was signed to a one-year deal this past year. I think the, the one-year deal was, was done for a reason. And it's exactly this, so that, you know, if he had the kind of season that uh, Hernandez did have, uh, they could walk away and he could go seek his fortunes elsewhere. Uh, he gave Cesar Hernandez gave the Indians exactly what they were hoping for uh, when they signed him. But, you know, what's the possibility of, of him being back at second base next year? Uh, <laughs> Joe, he had a great year. So he's going to get, he's going to get paid. Somebody's going to pay him. I just don't think it's going to be the Indians unless he has a burning desire to come back here and play for what, what did he made like 7 million, six, six, Point two five or six, something like 6. that. Six point two five, and and really here's here's the here's the kicker. Uh, sure, here sign for another year to come back here to play in Cleveland, not with Francisco Lindor. Yeah, that's true too. And uh, you know, it, it all depends what the market is. You know, he thought, you know, he kind of got burned come, becoming a free agent in Philly when they you know non tendered him. He thought he was in line to make eleven million. He, mm-hmm. he signed for you know six point two five here. Uh, so does, you know, and his performance went up here. So, you know, I would think, uh, unless, you know, there are no suitors out there for him, he's going to move on. Well, and in that conversation, uh, about, you know, players at the major league level blocking other players, uh, they mentioned, uh, Jose Ramirez playing third base and, and they, they were asked, is Jose Ramirez now a third baseman or does he have, uh, you know, the ability to move elsewhere? And, and that impacts the top prospect in the organization, Nolan Jones, who's a third baseman uh, by, by trade, as he, as he you know, has been training all this time in the minors. Uh, he's going to go out to the Fall Instructional League 
and work in the outfield uh, because they're, they're looking for maybe some, quote, positional versatility out of Nolan Jones. That, to me, is code that, that says uh, Ramirez is staying put and Jones is headed to the outfield. Yeah, I think, you know, right now, if you look at the, you know, the roster, if Lindor leaves and, and, and Hernandez leaves and, uh, you know, you're looking at Ramirez as your kind of veteran guy and he's been a two-time All-Star. He's going to, you know, finish high in the MVP voting for a third time this, this you know, in, next in, uh, in, you know, later this year. Um, so I think, you know, he's earned the right to stay at third base. I mean, and I, I, I don't know if he... You know, I think he would move, you know, he, Antonetti was saying, you know, I, he's, he always says he can play anywhere, but if you look at his body, his body looks like a third base body right now. I don't think he can play short and uh, you, you, it would, it would be, and we saw him move over to second base a couple of years his, his ago. Bo- his body looks like an English bulldog. Let's not kid ourselves. That's what his body looks like. Yeah. That he plays third base is probably the most appropriate position on the field for him, but yeah. let's not kid ourselves. His body looks like Spike and Tyke, Tyke from uh, the Tom and Jerry cartoons. That, that, that's what that body is. Yeah. So, so you know, we saw him pl- try to play second base later, late last, you know, when they got uh, – who's, who's the kid, the guy they got from the Twins? Oh, Josh, Josh Donaldson. Donaldson. Yeah. They, they, twice, they, twice they moved him to, to second base, and twice it didn't work out for him. So Yeah, so I just don't, I just don't see that. Uh, so, you know, so that means uh, Nolan Jones probably, you know, kind of moves, hits the road, and if he wants to play in the big league, he makes the adjustment. Well, and I think that's, you know, we saw this years ago, a couple years back with Francisco Mejia. Uh, you know, the, the Indians had a couple of catchers in, in, in the major leagues that, that weren't going anywhere, and Mejia's a catcher, and he wanted to play in the big leagues, but they told him, hey, move to the outfield, try, try right field, try getting out there. We need your bat in the lineup, but the only spot for you is if you play the outfield. And Mejia flat out refused to do it, and so they traded him. Yeah, and he's still struggling to establish himself with the Padres. Yeah. So uh, if, if Nolan Jones – from all accounts, Nolan Jones is a pretty good athlete. So, you know, he was a shortstop when he was drafted. Uh, who knows? Maybe he is more receptive to, uh, you know, becoming a – a corner outfielder or a first baseman or wherever the Indians could use him in the field in order to get his bat in the lineup, which is, as we saw this past season, something they could desperately need. Yeah. And, uh, you know, players move all the time. I mean, very rarely do you just, I, you know, there's not too many guys like Francisco Lindor that just come up through the system and play one position in their whole, their whole careers. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's not, it's not, you know, the end of the world if, if this guy moves and uh, changes position. But it, the his attitude plays – is the biggest role right there. I mean, right. Jason Kipnis was, what, a second or third round pick? They drafted him out of Arizona State as an outfielder. They moved him to second base. And right. uh, it's a lot easier, I think, going from the infield to the outfield instead of what, what Kipnis did. Right. Well, and that was at a time when the Indians organization wasn't, you know, overflowing with young switch hitting middle infield uh, prospects as they are right now. It seems like everybody in the Indians farm system is a, uh, a shortstop or second baseman. So, uh, you know, this is a time when if, if you can play a position other than 
second base or shortstop, you know, you're you're probably of, of higher value and have more upward mobility in the in the ranks than uh, than let's say some of the uh, the younger prospects that they've acquired over the last couple of months. Uh, before we get going here, uh, they did mention the prospects and the possibility of uh, minor league baseball next year. Uh, Chris Antonetti said that they've been told to prepare as though they would have four minor league affiliated teams and uh, some complex teams out in, in Arizona, which means teams that play out of the, uh, the Goodyear facility, uh, at least one complex team. Uh, the Indians usually have two. Um, just the, the prospect, you know, what does the future hold for minor league baseball as a whole topic for a whole nother uh, podcast in and of itself. Oh, you're not kidding, Joe. That is, <laughs> that is, uh, you know, that's like a, uh, that's like an anthill that got knocked over. You know, that's just like, uh, there's all sorts of things going on there as they try to uh, contract the minor leagues. But uh, yeah, that, and I think, you know, the four teams that everybody associates the Indians with are class AAA Columbus, AA Akron, class A Lynchburg, and class A Lake County. Uh, they didn't, you know, Chris didn't say for sure those are the four teams that they'll, they'll be affiliated with, but he said, we, we are familiar with the teams we should be familiar, you know, we should be affiliated with. And that, of course, leaves out, probably leaves out Mahoning Valley, right? which, is, which has been a good affiliate for the Indians in the uh, New York Penn League. Well, you look at all the young talent that's come through, that's, uh, they've all made stops with the scrappers and, uh, you know, you could you could probably ask guys like uh, like Shane Bieber, Zach Plesac, uh, Aaron Savali, guys who've all been through there, uh, just exactly what their experiences were with Mohunting Valley. All right, uh, looking forward to our conversation later on today with Terry Francona, and we will report back on tomorrow's Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast uh, as to what we hear from Tito. Hopefully, we get some uh, you know some positive uh, good news from from Tito. And, and maybe a good story or two uh, about, uh, you know, just, you know, what's been going on with him and, and what his hopes are for next season. Yeah, definitely. That's going to be, you know, as long as everything holds together with Tito, it'll be good to see him back uh, at the ballpark and in the dugout and at, at spring training next year. All right, honey, so we're going to wrap up here uh, today, but we'll talk to you again tomorrow on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. All right, Joe.